you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey there, everybody. It is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're not planning to retire anytime soon. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio, producer Randy at the controls. Uh, no guests today. We're just going to keep it kind of tight and, uh, and and simple. Got some stuff to talk about. Uh, it's uh, you know it's it's June. Things are not quite as exciting. We're going to play a kind of modified game of hype train or smoke screen. Uh, we're going to talk about some some news, some some decent news that has happened over the last couple of days. And uh, Florio, I uh, I know you have been away. How was your how was your trip to the East Coast, man? It was fun. It was uh it goes by quick. Uh. And then I have another trip next week to the East Coast. So that one, I'm sure the flight is not going to be. And then I have one the week after that. It, I, I'm very bad <laughs> at planning trips. And uh, I kind of smushed them all together. But I had a good time. I got to see some family that I haven't got to see in a long time. So that's always good. Or maybe you're good at planning trips because you just like basically kind of have almost sort of one long trip with a, you know, with a, a chance to come home and change clothes, basically. <laughs> so I don't know. Um. You know, I was going to do this at the end of the show, but I feel like it's a it's it's a perfect chance to do this right at the top of the show. I know that you were taking some heat on social media about some of your running back rankings, specifically the fact that you still believe in Christian McCaffrey. You've got him, what, number three overall? You've got him ahead of Derrick Henry, uh, and I know the people were not happy about that. So I'm going to open the floor and give you the chance to explain your reasoning here. Yeah, I so... Christian McCaffrey um, has never been a bad fantasy player as long as he has lived, right? Like, the last time we saw him healthy for a full season, 
He had the second greatest fantasy season we've ever seen behind only 2006 Ladanian Tomlinson. Shout out to our coworker. Um, <laughs> but since then, he's been injured. But when he plays, he's still going to give you well over 20 points. He's going to give you more than likely 25, 30 points. Like two years ago, he, he played three games, but he averaged 30 fantasy points per game. This past year, uh, he was averaging over 18, but that's because he left early in a couple of games. He, he's the best running back since in fantasy since 2017. Uh, and, and he and Patrick Mahomes are the only players to average over 18 fantasy points in each of the last four seasons. So he is absolutely elite when he is on the field. Uh, the only thing that people keep saying about him is, well, he can't stay on the field. And that's where I disagree with them because I look at it um, like Christian McCaffrey is a running back. And running backs naturally have a higher injury risk. And if you look at the injuries that Christian McCaffrey has suffered the last couple of years, it's not like he's suffered anything that is a long-term, like he hasn't broken his foot and needs surgery like Derrick Henry did. He hasn't, you know, had the same injury. Like if this guy was pulling his hamstring every time we saw him, I'd be like, okay, yeah, we can't trust him. But he rolled his ankle. That's a common football injury. He sprained a hamstring. He hurt his AC joint in his shoulder. Those are all separate injuries, and they're all very common running back injuries. So my point of view is uh, running backs already come with a heightened injury risk. It's just the nature of the position. So if I'm going to invest a first-round pick on a position that comes with a higher injury risk, then I want the guy who has been the absolute best at it. And, and I'll put Taylor and Eckler ahead of him because I think those guys are a little bit safer but after that, I, I think it's hard to make the case for any running back, especially, uh, like you said, Marcus, I got I took heat for Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry is two years older than Christian McCaffrey. He has over 500 more career touches than Christian McCaffrey, and he broke the middle part of his foot and had to have Jones fracture surgery on it, whereas Christian McCaffrey last year sprained his ankle and pulled his hamstring. To me, one of those injuries is much more scarier about having a long-term effect than the other. But because of, you know, the last two years, everyone just immediately thinks Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy. To me, I think it's trying to make sense of something that is just very random, and that's injuries. I think that's that's important, too, the, the fact that it's random injuries and they're injuries to, to different things. Like you said, it's not like he has repeatedly uh, pulled a hamstring. It's not like he has, you know, hurt the same knee over and over again. So I think that's worth mentioning. I think it's also uh, interesting to talk about, look, it, part of part of how you win at fantasy and and you know we're not the only ones who say this is sort of taking some big swings and maybe taking risks where other people don't and i think there's that risk there's that fear that we've seen and i think it's sort of been uh priced into his adp a little bit which is why you're seeing him generally go later in the first round i'll say this after after jonathan taylor and austin eckler i don't really have a clear number three um you know I've, I've been okay with Derrick Henry there I've taken Najee Harris uh that high at some point so I don't I don't have a clear third and so I think if you can if you can compartmentalize the injury risk right if you can kind of put that aside then I don't see why you can't make a strong case for Christian McCaffrey at three obviously it's June we're going to argue about a lot of things <laughs> um and, and I, I understand I understand the fear I understand the concern um 
but I'm going to go back to what a lot of people have said to me. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it was my our old friend, Bob Harris, who, who said, you know, you're injury prone until you're not. Um, and and all it takes is one good season of Christian McCaffrey coming back and playing 15, 16, 17 games again. And suddenly that fear goes away. Uh, this is a guy who had played 16 games every year up until the last two years. So I'll ask you this, though. Any concern that because of the injuries the last couple of years that maybe the Panthers don't use him as much this year? I actually other people are making that argument, and I actually think you can make the case that it that would help Christian McCaffrey because he was playing 90, 95 percent of the snaps every single game. And other running backs, hardly any. I think he was the only one over 80% at one point last year, if I'm remembering correctly. And, like, that is such a wear and tear on his body. So if they're taking him off the field at certain points, then maybe for, you know, a, uh, Deontay Foreman or someone like that, then it, 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 it puts less pressure on his body. And if you even if you take away a handful of carries away from him in between the 20s, those are so low valuable touches. Like one carry for four yards is 0.4 fantasy points. Is, is he suddenly not going to start seeing, you know, seven, eight, nine targets a game? Because his running ability is never what makes Christian McCaffrey the best fantasy player. It's the fact that he'll give you, you know, anywhere between 50 and 100 rushing yards in a game. And then he'll give you close to 100 receiving yards on like eight catches. So you're getting wide receiver one numbers out of him as long as. He continues to see that high number of targets, which the Panthers have come out and said, we do not plan on taking him off the field in passing down situations. Like that is why he is the highest paid running back because he's that good at that. As long as he sees that. And if he sees the, the one thing I will say, Marcus, I'm a little bit worried if they'll start using the bigger foreman uh, on goal line carries, because mm -hmm. if they do that, then that obviously hurts Christian McCaffrey's value a little bit. But if you just take away a handful of those low, value touches and you know on on the Panthers own side of the field I don't think that's really going to to have a big effect but I will say this Marcus I I have him ranked as my RB3 I would draft him as the third running back on off the board but if you said I I don't feel comfortable about any of these running backs I'm gonna take Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase I have no issue with that at all I, I really am warming up to taking a receiver in round one I was in a draft just a couple of days ago where uh, Cooper Cup went number two overall. Um, and it. yeah, you know, like and when I first saw it, I was like, hmm. And then I was like, huh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the gif of that lady. Right, where... exactly. I was like, the, mm, no, well, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was kind of like that. It's like, really? Like, oh, you know, but that, I can, I can get behind that. So that, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Basically, I think it sounds like Christian McCaffrey is being tasked with trying to save Matt Rule's job in Carolina. Like, you know, we're just going to load you Poor up guy. with touches. We're going to load you up with touches. You work your magic and you help keep this coaching staff intact. That's <laughs> your role for this year, CMC. Good luck. Although I will say this, um, you know, maybe the, uh, the NFC South isn't, uh, I mean, look, the, the Bucks are by far the best team in the division. After that, there, there are questions that need to be answered. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that because the Panthers are not a playoff team, so I don't really know completely where I was going <laughs> they, with that. Statement. They, they might be a second place team in that division, maybe, maybe, but, but that could be like a six or seven win team, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, 
let's get to some of the uh, the news that's happened in the last week, basically since we uh, since we talked to you guys. The big one uh, coming officially uh, just a couple days ago. Um, Rob Gronkowski uh, has announced his retirement again from the NFL. Uh, this is after 11 seasons playing mostly with the Patriots, but a couple years with the Buccaneers as well. Uh, he is calling it quits. Now, mind you, he called it quits before. And then Tom Brady basically was yeah, hit him with a text that said, you up. And then Gronk came <laughs> running back to, to Tampa. So we'll see if this happens again. You know, if Tom puts out the call, does, does Gronk come running? But for now, Gronk is retired. So usually when a notable player retires from the NFL, a notable offensive skill position player retires from the NFL, I always like to ask the question whether or not that player is a fantasy Hall of Famer. In this case, that question is ridiculous because I think there's, there's no doubt in anybody's mind that Grant, Gronk is not only just a regular Hall of Famer, but he is certainly a fantasy Hall of Famer as well. So then I pivot to the question then, is he the greatest fantasy tight end we have ever seen? I think so. I, I I will say, you know, when I started playing fantasy, Tony Gonzalez was more on the end of his career. So if you want to make the case for him, I, I won't debate it too strongly. But uh, Gronk, I mean, just since his second season, these are his fantasy finishes amongst tight ends in points per game. 1, 1, 2, 1, 2, 8, 1, 9, 16, 3. So even like last year, Gronk was one of the very best tight ends in football playing at 32 years old, like, I, I get it. He said the goat thrown to him the whole time. Injuries were always a concern for him. So maybe that puts Gonzalez ahead of him. But outside of Tony Gonzalez, Marcus, do you, like Kelsey, I, I guess, deserves in the conversation. I, I think Gronk has long surpassed Antonio Gates. Like, that becomes the other question. Like, if it's not Gronk, then who is it? Yeah, I think that's that's the other part. I mean, if Kelsey can, can somehow sustain this for a few more years, then maybe he, he – vaults himself into the conversation i think tony gonzalez is probably the only other person that really has a significant claim to it i did think antonio gates but i was like nah, i don't know uh, although I'll say this i had a friend uh we were in a league together and his motto was if you can't get gates then wait that was his whole drafting <laughs> philosophy when it came to tight ends and look it, it worked for years right because you know antonio gates was was a beast um but I do think, I think hands down, it's probably Rob Gronkowski is the greatest fantasy tight end ever with uh, a battle at number two between Travis Kelsey and Tony Gonzalez. But I mean, look, at, at, at Gronk's peak, I feel like at one point there was a conversation about maybe drafting him number one overall. Like that's how dominant he was. It never happened. It never really, I don't think it ever really turned into anything other than just, you know, offseason chatter. But the fact that it was even offseason chatter at all speaks to how dominant he was at his peak. And that is, even as you mentioned, a guy who throughout his career dealt with injuries. This is a guy who dealt with back injuries going back to college in Arizona. That's part of what caused him to fall a little bit in the draft. People were just worried about his back and his health. And, and yeah, it did flare up at times throughout his NFL career, but uh, he still played 11 seasons at the highest level. Um, you know, we're obviously talking about him in terms of his offensive production, uh, catching the football, scoring touchdowns, because that's what we do. But let's let's not overlook the fact that he was also a great blocking tight end and, and did a lot for the Patriots uh, in their running game as well with what he was able to do as a blocker. So uh, this isn't just talking about him catching the football and, and giving us Gronk spikes, which he did for many, many years. Um, but, uh, you know, just what he did overall in the game of football. So. 
Congrats to you. If this is really the end, Rob Gronkowski, congratulations on an amazing career. Now you can go and, I don't know, live your life. Not that he wasn't living his life before, Florio. I mean, this dude, like, lived the best life from the beginning. But now he has nothing but time to go on, like, Gronk Bud Light cruises and <laughs> shoot commercials and do, do whatever happy-go-lucky thing makes him happy now. We, we've probably seen the last of that one commercial that we would see every other commercial break uh, last season. So that that might be a good thing. <laughs> that is, I don't know if so. I don't know if so. I saw um, David Ortiz, you know, tweeted out congratulations to Gronk on, on the end of your career. But he also included a commercial that I guess they did back in, like, 2015 – I suspect this was regional because it's 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 David Ortiz, Big Poppy, and Rob Gronkowski. It's a commercial for Duncan, no surprise, you know, being in the Boston area. But they're singing some like R and B type song where it's like they're all dressed in white and Gronk's at a piano and David Ortiz is like singing in Spanish. I don't. Did you <laughs> see this thing? I've ne- I, once we're done recording, I'm gonna go watch this because I've you gotta never, go. I, didn't I will. Even know I will. Thing. Yes, I will drop it, and when we're done with this, I'll drop it in Slack <laughs> so you and Randy can see this. It's hilarious. It's a 60 second commercial about Duncan, where like it's it's Big Poppy singing in Spanish and and Gronk playing a piano. Uh, it's gold. It's absolutely gold. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but all right, let's let's actually spin this back to to football though, and um. If assuming Gronk is not coming back, there are still a whole bunch of guys in Tampa that are going to look to play a, a full season. Uh, we know Tom Brady is going to be back. Um, without Gronk there, admittedly, he was not necessarily the focal point of their passing game, but he did contribute to them. With him gone, who stands to benefit the most, do you feel like? I think Mike Evans. Um, I, I think Mike Evans is already, um, he was already their number one, but his target share has definitely gone down with Tom Brady because Tom Brady was spreading the ball out so much. But you look around, if there's no Gronk, I, I'm still speculating, Marcus, that we may see Gronk at some point this season. Uh, but but who knows? Um, but if there's no Gronk, Gronk was Evans' biggest target threat in the red zone and in the end zone, and we know that's where Mike Evans makes his living. So I, I think it boosts well for him. Plus, no Antonio Brown anymore there. Uh, I, Russell Gage is also going to be a benefactor there because – this is, again, speculation on my part, but Chris Godwin had ACL surgery in January. For a team that, let's face it, they don't, they're not worried about winning games in September. They're worried about winning the last game of the year in what's probably the GOAT's final season. So I, I think they'll take their time with Chris Godwin, and if they do that, that's going to mean a ton of volume for Mike Evans and Russell Gage and low-key Cameron Brait, who is now the number one tight end there. I, I think the Bucks were maybe caught off guard because – they let OJ Howard walk. They really didn't do a whole lot to, to replace any of the tight ends that they lost. So Brate just for being on the field so much with Tom Brady will probably get a good amount of targets, especially in the red zone. We know that is where uh where Brady likes to feature his bigger targets. So Evans and Brate stand out to me as the two that could lead this team in end zone targets. Yeah, definitely Evans. Uh I am big on Russell Gage this year, and I've been saying it for a while because uh you know, I, You'll still you'll certainly see more targets Mike Evans way, but with, as you mentioned, Godwin still kind of recovering and, and I would imagine they're going to take it slowly with him. You know, at the time I was you know thinking about this and sort of writing about it earlier this offseason, Gronk hadn't officially retired. He was still undecided, but with him potentially not being there. Uh, and look, I, I don't think you can discount when it comes to Russell Gage, the fact that he was personally recruited 
by Tom Brady. I mean, he got the phone call at the you know, just before free agency opened with Tom Brady saying, "Hey, I want to, you know, I want you to come to Tampa." To the point that I think, I believe I, I remember, like Gage thought it was a prank call. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he's a phone call saying it's Tom Brady, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Um, so I. I think he stands to, to you know have a, a really quick start to the season. Now, once Godwin comes back, I think a lot of those targets will go his direction again. But um, I think you know they'll figure out how to spread it around. I, I want to get in on Cameron Brait. I just don't know that there's going to be enough there for him to be consistently relevant. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't love. I, I think Braid is a good like second tight end. Like if you don't get one of the elite tight ends and you're like, oh, I like my tight end, but I want to back up like. There's a there's a group of like upside guys and and I I would probably slide Bray behind like like behind like Irv Smith Albert O those, those young guys yeah I definitely love I love Smith I love Albert O uh, I'm you know I'm I'm trying to tell myself to get back in on Cole Komet I know everybody loves Cole Komet this year um, I just worry about that offense as a whole so that that sort of makes me a little cooler on him but there are a lot of young tight ends that I'm interested in. <sighs> I said this to myself yesterday, and I, I try not to say this out loud, but is it possible that tight end is deeper this year? I think so. And, and I know it sounds gross to say, but I have like Dallas Goddard ranked as like my 11th or 12th tight end. And I'm like, whoa, like that. Because to me, there, there's now, I think, five like high end options in Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts, Waller, Kittle. Then I like Schultz, Ertz, Hawkinson, Goddard. Then there's Knox and, and Gasecki and. Fryer move like some of those guys are going to disappoint, but I think the approach should be either get one of the top five or six, depending how you feel about Dalton Schultz. And if you miss out on those guys, just take you know whatever falls back to you, and then take one of these upside uh, tight end twos, like like we were saying, Irv Smith, Albert O, uh, Cole Komet, any of those younger guys, and just hope that one of them hits. Yeah, I've actually found myself in some leagues drafting two guys where I'll get one of the top guys early and then I'll just circle back around and later I'll grab one of these other guys just in case, you know, whatever, just to pad myself against injury or if one of these turns out to be a breakout because, you know, who knows, maybe you can you know, use that to your advantage later on in the season. Um, Ronald Jones was in Tampa, now in Kansas City. He says he's looking forward to, quote, a one, two, three punch in the Chiefs backfield. And that to me felt like a one, two, three punch to the gut when I read that. Um, but you know, it, it appears that this is going to be the situation. Clyde Edward Delaire is there. They bring in Ronald Jones. They re-sign Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, I say obviously, but all signs point to Edward Delaire being the lead back in that backfield. Does this change the way you feel about CEH hearing this from Ronald Jones? Or were you already sort of locked in to, to where he is anyway? Uh, it, I, my, okay. I'm kind of locked in, but not really on CEH. My, my opinion is it all depends on his draft costs. Like if he can, I, I said it on a podcast a week or so ago, I saw him going in like the seventh round of a best ball draft. And, and if I could get him in that round as my RB three or something oh, like yeah. that, I'm okay taking a shot on him. I, I also think it's okay to take a shot on Ronald Jones. Who's going as like an RB four or later sometimes because, I think ultimately it's you're you may want a piece of this offense and, and potentially if one of those running backs win out, it could be a big value in fantasy. But if you have to start paying a premium price and, and calling your shot on which one of it you think will step out in this backfield, then I'm I'm fine just leaving it aside and saying I will not have any of the Chiefs running backs rostered this this year. But right now, 
at least in the early best ball drafts that I'm doing, their their draft cost is so low that I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take a shot on this guy. But if he starts to get pulled up, then I'm out. And, and Jarek McKinnon low-key scares me because I really want CEH to, be, to get all the targets there for the running backs. Yeah, see, the thing about McKinnon is he's going to be one of those guys, and I, I need to come up with a term, or we need to come up with a term for these guys who are, they're not, they're not fantasy relevant, but they will do enough to to wreck somebody else that's potentially on your roster. Flies in the ointment, I guess, would be the best <laughs> the best way to describe them, right? Because you're not going to draft Jarek McKinnon. You're not going to really count on him to do anything for you. But if he's getting on the field on third downs, if he's getting on the field in hurry-up situations and potentially taking targets away, then that does hurt whatever, you know, whatever investment you have made in a guy like Clyde Edwards-Dilaire. I, I still, I have draft. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still a bit of a homer and I still have drafted Ronald Jones, but mind you, it's, it's late, right? I'm drafting Ronald Jones in like the ninth round, the 10th round, something like that. He's well down my depth chart. I'm not counting on him, but in case he finds a role in this offense, then I have him there potentially. Um, I was like, I think I saw, I think when I looked at fantasy football calculator yesterday, as I was putting this together, um, CEH was a, a fourth round guy. And that to me, was really high right but i think i think he was the the rb20 there i think when i looked at fantasy pros he was the rb24 and both of those just felt really high for me <laughs> at this point uh and this is even before i even factored in like the the one two three punch in this offense that just i don't know maybe I'm because i've been disappointed by by ceh uh the last couple of years that i just i can't really get in on anything like that at this point um any but so so basically you're you're are you in on McKinnon you out on McKinnon or does it just really believe the, depend on the price at this point I think McKinnon is what you said I, I think he's more of a real life nuisance than he is a fantasy value like he had two good games with the Chiefs last year but his last good game was like five years ago before that so maybe as like a last round dart throw uh but I, I'm more interested in watching where Jones and CH go and it, it's like you said like if, if it all comes down to cost. Like if Ronald Jones is going later and you could take a shot on this offense there as like a ninth, tenth round pick, I, I think that's fine to take him. Uh, I, I just don't want it to be a position, Marcus, where they're both getting pulled up and you have to choose which one because if that's the case, I'm choosing neither. I choose none. I, you know, I abstain <laughs> from voting if that's, uh, that's going to be the case. A uh, little bit more running back news down in Jacksonville. James Robinson says he's, quote, not trying to rush his return from an Achilles injury that happened late, very late last season. Um, I don't know that there are any expectations for him to be around during training camp or the preseason, but the Jaguars are holding out some hope that he could be available for week one. That's I say could. That is a possibility. Uh, you know, when I was reading the story, the, the name that came up was Cam Akers and his incredibly fast return uh, from an Achilles injury. I don't know that that's, I don't know if that's a fair expectation to put on anybody um, because that was just, that was so remarkable what Akers did. Uh, so I don't know that I would put that on James Robinson. I do think we will see him back at some point this season, um, which makes him, you know, I, I think draftable in a lot of late, you know, late draft situations in a lot of leagues. But what, what level of expectation do you have for him production wise this year? Uh, I, I don't feel great about James Robinson. It's like he tore his Achilles, uh, the day after Christmas it was, I, I just checked. And that is so like Achilles used to be a year minimum, mm -hmm. like, like you're on the shelf. 
Cam Akers maybe changed that, but Cam Akers changed it because the Rams were, you know, going for a Super Bowl. It was in the playoffs. He rushed back. And he, even when he rushed back, he was far from his normal self. He didn't have his normal burst. So if anything, I, I think we could look at Cam Akers and say, it's possible to come back that early, but you're not going to be the same. So for a team like the Jags that are clearly, you know, looking more towards the future, I, I would say I, I wouldn't be surprised if Robinson starts on the pup or something like that. If we don't see him till mid season. And even then, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it took some time for him to, to look his old self. If remember Achilles used to be an injury that you would get it and you never look the same again. Mm -hmm. So I'm still pretty scared about that. I, I do agree with you. I think Robinson is like, especially now in June, because a lot could change. He's worth a later round dart throw, but I, I, I have a hard time putting high, any sort of like high expectations on James Robinson this year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it stinks just from a, a human standpoint because uh, yeah. he's playing well. You know, I mean, there were, there were times last season, a lot of times last season when he was the Jaguars best player in the midst of what was just a miserable season uh, for that team and for that franchise all the way around. And so it, it definitely stinks to see him kind of have to, to battle back through this fantasy wise. I, I wouldn't be opposed to drafting him. And I think this is one of those things that sort of comes down to roster construction. If you have, uh, obviously, if you have depth, if you can afford to wait on a guy, um, you know, especially if you have, if you're in a league with IR spots where you can sort of stash him away and not necessarily burn a roster spot, just in the event that, as you mentioned, they put him on the pup list this year, um, you you can hold on to him. You can kind of you know, keep him there as insurance and not have to hold on and kind of kill a roster spot that you may need a few weeks into the season. That being said, uh, is is that, does this mean Travis Etienne to the moon? How are we feeling about him? I'm very bullish about Travis Etienne. And last year at this time, I, I was fading Etienne because I thought it was James Robinson's backfield still. But I, I'm very high on Travis Etienne. And, and I might sound like a broken record if you've heard me talk about him before. But Next Gen Stats does this really cool – they have this cool tool – where they like give prospects a grade coming out of college and it takes their like their their athletic testing, their college production and their strength of opponent and it puts them in an algorithm and it gives each prospect a grade. ETN got a perfect 99 on that and the only running backs in recent years to do so, Najee Harris, Brees Hall now, he still to be determined on what he does, but Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, all have been beast in the NFL. So ETN is in great company. He is one of those running backs that can be used as a receiver at times. He's going to be great in the passing game for them. He already has a connection with uh, Trevor Lawrence. They played together at Clemson where ETN was a touchdown scoring machine for that team. And I know some people look at it as missing a rookie year as a bad thing. And, and I get it. We would have rather see him play. But he came out himself and he was like, if there was ever a year to miss, <laughs> last year with the Jaguars was that year. And like that's how I feel too. So now his new coaching staff gets a whole offseason of him being healthy. They've been hyping up that his burst is still there. I think ETN's ceiling is being an RB1, and I love taking him in like the fourth round because his ADP right now is like the same or lower than it was at this time a year ago. So ETN or CEH? ETN all day. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the pass catching upside. I was on record last year saying – uh, before ETN got hurt, that I, I was hoping the Jaguars would use them sort of like the Browns were able to use Nick Chubb and uh, and Kareem Hunt, kind of have that be that one-two punch. Now, obviously, um, you know, 
they may not have Robinson at the start of the season. If they do, I think he will be in a lesser capacity than he would have been uh, had he not torn the ACL. So this is a real big opportunity for ETN to jump in there. I think fourth round feels about right because there's not as much risk involved, but there's still you, know, you still invested some capital. The upside obviously is is apparent with him, and so I think I think fourth round feels about that that nice sweet spot, which. I know in the past, you know, the last couple of years, we've been calling that the RB dead zone. Um, it, is that changing? This is kind of a big philosophical question, and, I, and, and there may not be an answer to it. Do you feel like that's going to change this year? If we draft, if we're drafting wide receivers earlier, does that maybe bump some of these running backs down? Or is it, is it still kind of a bleh area to, to draft the position? I, I, in fact, I would make the argument that the fourth, fifth round is the wide receiver dead zone this year. Like receivers, at least in, in the best ball drafts that I've been doing, maybe, you know, leagues that get played out will the ADP will look different. But if it looks similar to best ball drafts, which it usually does, then you're seeing four five receivers, six receivers go in the first like 12, 13 picks, something like that. And then the, the, Sec, like that, it just pushes the RB talent down more and more. So, I, I kind of like the idea of starting like wide receiver, wide receiver, and then grabbing like James Conner in round three and Travis Etienne in round four. Like, to me, that would be an ideal start. Uh, any interest in Snoop Conner? Just a late round dart throw, I think. Maybe yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, other people seem pretty high on him. I, I'm because maybe I'm putting blinders on because I'm, I'm bullish on Etienne, but I think late round dart throw. Yeah, it's about it. Um, I don't know that uh, less interest in in regular standard redraft leagues, I think, than than anything else. So, uh, yeah, I just figured I'd throw that out there and just see. Uh, anyway, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll play what I'm calling June Boon or June Gloom because it's still June, and uh, I just wanted to dress up hype trainer smokescreen. That's all. Uh, stick around for that next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, so this is the time of year when people make statements that, you know, we hang on to because we have nothing else to do. Uh, I mean, unless you are trying to handicap the uh, NBA draft, which Adrian Wojnarowski has probably already ruined for you. So uh, (laughs) I don't know what you do now. Uh, Anyway, we're going to play June Boone or June Gloom, uh, which is basically Hype Trainer Smokescreen, just with a fancy new name because it's June and I want to do something (laughs) different. Uh, Part of it is anybody who lives in Los Angeles, for any amount of time 
you know the phenomenon of June gloom. It's why I tell people who aren't from here, don't ever visit LA in June. You will be disappointed because for most of the month, it is overcast. It is cloudy. There are actual scientific atmospheric reasons why, but me not being a trained meteorologist, I can't explain them to you here on this podcast. Just Google it. I'm sure somebody knows. Um, <laughs> but I went and found a handful of statements uh, that have been made by players and coaches recently, and we'll discuss whether it's a June boon, whether it's something, you know, it's good, it's a boon, we can take it into the season and actually bank on it, or if it's gloom, which basically means that, you know, they're just, you know, clouding up the sky and, and not really giving us much of anything. So we'll start with Chase Claypool who in an ultimate show of confidence uh, on a podcast recently said, quote, I know I'm a top three receiver in the NFL. Uh, basically saying that, you know, I had a chance to make some plays. Sometimes they don't happen. You know, you go out and you work hard. But I know that when I'm at my best, I'm as good as anybody. I'm a top three receiver in the NFL. Uh, so uh, are we buying this? Is this a boon? Is this June gloom? Where, where are you feeling on this? This is the biggest June gloom ever. Like, <laughs> if he's a top three wide receiver, then then we already have to start the list with Deontay Johnson, who repeatedly overshines and outproduces Chase. Chase Claypool might be the third best receiver on his own team because <laughs> now they have George Pickens there as well. Uh, Claypool is a talented guy. Don't get me. I, this is like Marcus. This reminds me of when uh, like Draymond Green said, "I'm the greatest defensive player ever," and Shaq was like, "He has to say that if he doesn't believe it, no one will." Right. This is this is like Chase Claypool trying to get himself to be confident and stuff, but he's not even the top ten receiver, let alone top three. Yeah, I, I I look at it exactly the same way. Like I I appreciate your confidence. I you know I feel like you do have to say that, right? If you're not going to say that about yourself, then certainly nobody else is going to. But Nah, dog, you're 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 not. Um, you're right. He he. There is a chance he could be the third receiver on his team this year, depending on what happens with George Pickens. Uh, we know Deontay Johnson's going to get a lot of the targets there. So, uh, like I, I, I appreciate the the enthusiasm, even if the I think the analysis is very very wrong here. Uh, that being said, I mean, are you are you drafting Claypool anywhere? Just you know, with with whatever's happening, whether it's by the way, Kenny Pickett has finally signed his rookie contract. So all the first rounders are signed. Uh, whether it is Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, are you are you in on Chase Claypool this year? So in my early drafts, I really haven't been. Uh, George Pickens goes later. And my thing is, like, if these two are going to battle out for that second spot there, because there's also Pat Fryermuth who's going to get targets. We know Najee Harris will get some. Like, I, I could see it being back and forth or something like that. And... I don't know. I'll take the cheaper option there um, rather than than going with Claypool. But I don't think he's too expensive either. So I can't knock anyone for taking him. He just hasn't been like my preferred choice. Yeah, I, I think outside of Deontay Johnson, I haven't really tried drafting any Steelers receivers. I just I don't know. I don't know how many they can support, how many pass catchers this offense can support because we just don't know about the quarterback situation right now. Uh, in Tennessee, early reports say Traylon Burks is projected as the third wide receiver with the Titans. That Robert Woods, uh, working his way back from an ACL injury, uh, is going to be number one. Nick Westbrook Akine is uh, really showing off well in offseason workouts and mini camps. I bet he could be the number two wide receiver. Then, of course, we spent uh, about a week on Twitter talking about Tra Traylon Burks and his asthma issues. I don't know how serious that is or not. I'm not going to make fun of it, but 
it obviously was a topic of conversation for a while. Um, but are you buying June Boone, June Gloom? I mean, should we? How much stock should we be buying into these early reports of him as a wide receiver three? I could be wrong, but I think this is a huge June Gloom. Okay. Um, I I think that this is what coaches do. Where where you know coming into training camp and and everything, they make their rookies earn their spot. They they put them down on the depth chart and make them continuously uh you know have to earn their spot they don't want to just hand anything to someone but they use the first round pick on Traylon Burks knowing uh what they already had there and, and to me Traylon Burks's player comp was a less athletic AJ Brown so I think that he's going to come in and and play a similar role I, I've been from since the moment they drafted him my thinking has been he's their number one target Although I will, I, I will say that's subject to change because my thinking was Robert Woods is, is coming back from a severe injury. He's a little bit older. It may take him a long time. If he doesn't have this summer to build up that chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, I think Traylon Burks will take advantage of that. But we're hearing reports that Robert Woods is ahead of schedule. So I, I'm still that's subject to change. I could flip flop those two, but there is not a world, Marcus, where I will put Nick of Westbrook Aquina ahead of Traylon Burks. I just I can't see it. When when I saw this report pop up the other day, somebody quote tweeted it with uh, an old report of uh, Vikings beat reporters saying that Justin Jefferson in his first uh, minicamp was running as the third wide receiver behind Adam Thielen, obviously, and uh, B.C. Johnson. And well, we see what and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Traylon Burks is going to turn into the next Justin Jefferson because I don't I don't believe that to be the case. But the point is that I think maybe this is a chance to sort of light a fire under him to see if they can get going. And part of it is probably that he hasn't had as much time to work out. He has missed some practices, uh, you know, with his health issues. So uh, this could just be him not being on the field quite enough. So take it for what it's worth that at least as of this moment here in you know mid to late June, Trey Burks is the third wide receiver in Tennessee. By the time we step on the field for real in September, that could be very, very different. So that's just worth noting. Uh, in Atlanta, head coach Arthur Smith says rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter is, quote, light years ahead of most young quarterbacks. This feels like much. This feels like a lot of clouds in the sky. Maybe I'm wrong. This, 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 is, a, this is just a pump up message, right? That's what this is. I think so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look optimistic here, Marcus. I'm gonna say June Boone because oh. the thing about Desmond Ritter is he was a four year starter in college and made like over fifty starts or something like that. So he has a lot of experience. And, and in the article, he says like I thought it would have took me you know some time to really learn an NFL offense, and he's like, and I'm picking it up very easily. I, I know it, it doesn't matter until we see it translate on the field. But I'm like, hey, if this guy was a starter for so long in college, he he comes more ready than pretty much every other quarterback in this class outside of Kenny Pickett. So I I, I think Ritter could potentially push for week one start. I, I still am of the mindset that Mariota will start week one and maybe start the first handful of games before we see a switch. But the Falcons need to kind of know what they have in Ritter and if they should go after another quarterback next season in a class that is supposed to be better. So I wouldn't be surprised if if he has a grasp on this offense if we end up seeing him sooner than later. So you sort of answered my next question is that you, do you think Mariota will end the year as the starting quarterback? And it sounds like not. you're leaning toward no. Yeah. Huh? He 
I, I, because I always think when you have a rookie, the veteran has to significantly be better to hold on to the job. And no offense to Mariota, I think him and Ritter are very similar talents. They can both run, but Ritter's just younger. He's potentially the future, whereas Mariota's just a bridge. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, you and I both had a chance to kind of talk to Cameron Wolf, one of the uh, NFL Network reporters, uh, last week during our our talent summit, just kind of just chatting with him. And one of the things he said to me about Mariota was, you know. He's a nice guy. He's, he's a hard worker. One, we've sort of seen how this movie ends with him. We sort of know what he is at this point in his career. And that, you know, at times, uh, his confidence has been very fragile. And I think the, the Falcons right now, their job is to kind of build Mariota up and get him back in a spot where he can be comfortable being a starting quarterback. But at the same time, as you mentioned, they've got this young guy waiting in the wings, potentially, you know, auditioning to be the franchise quarterback. And who knows? Maybe he's not. But at some point, they're going to give him that opportunity. And if you have a quarterback like Mariota, who is sort of on the fringes of being a starter in this league, um, it does make it easier for you to, to turn the team over to a young guy, especially look, the Falcons are not they're not contenders just yet. They're still a ways away from being contenders. Um, you've got a good young tight end in Kyle Pitts. Uh, you've got you drafted Drake London, who you think can be a very good young wide receiver. Uh, at some point, it also just doesn't make sense to pair them with an older quarterback who, you know, right now is just kind of a bridge guy. So um, maybe you're right. Maybe we do see Ritter sooner than later as a starter. Wouldn't it be the first time Arthur Smith has benched Mariota? So very true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you, do you think? Uh, why do you think Mariota thought about that? Like, wait a minute. Um, I mean, it had to cross his mind at some point. I've seen people make the positive. Oh, he knows Arthur Smith's system, but and then I was thinking about it one day, and I was like, "But Arthur Smith benched him. Like <laughs> he's the one who discovered Ryan Tannehill." Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. All right. Uh, last one here. Kyle Shanahan, who really is the master of smoke screens, uh, of probably maybe more than just about any coach outside of like say Belichick. Belichick's not really a master of smoke screens. He just doesn't tell you anything. So it's it's sort of different. <laughs> Shanahan is like, you know, he's like a magician. He's like Joe Bluth, right? He's just going to like put a puff of smoke and he's going to run away. Uh, but anyway, he says Trey Lance, quote, has more horsepower inside of him than I think he even knows. Um, this could be him just trying to like boost his his young quarterback's confidence. All signs point to Jimmy Garoppolo not being there, uh, certainly not for the full season, maybe not at the beginning of the season, even if they haven't worked out a deal yet. Uh, for us as fantasy folks, we love to hear this because we've been big on Trey Lance from the moment he got drafted. So uh, are, are you are you counting this as a June boon, hearing Shanahan say good things about his quarterback, or is this you know Kyle putting up a puff of smoke and basically saying, look over there, and then running away? Uh, this is June Boone all the way to me. One, because just like you said, I, I've been waiting to see Trey Lance. I, I think Trey Lance could be a great fantasy quarterback the moment he starts, regardless of how he looks in real life, just because of what he can do with his legs. I, I know I say it all the time. Jimmy G, every year is, is leading the league, and if he's not, he's like second or third in passing yards that come after the catch. He has a ton of talent around him. He can be asked to make simple throws. He also has a cannon of an arm. And why, Marcus, this is so encouraging to me is all last year, and even when they were trying to hype up Jimmy G in, once the season ended, we heard Trey Lance, like Shanahan would say, Trey Lance isn't ready. We don't want to turn to him yet. And to hear the narrative start to change from the coach is a good thing, I think. And 
I'm I'm pretty bullish uh, on Trey Lance. Maybe he won't ever be a great real life quarterback, but I, I think from fantasy from day one, he could be like Jalen Hurts was last year. And, and I know we throw around Josh Allen a lot as a comp for like athletic strong arm quarterbacks, but Trey Lance kind of, I think, has a similar path to upside. Like he needs to become more accurate. And, and if he can work on that, and we always heard you can't teach accuracy until Josh Allen. But and I know he's he's the exception, not the rule. But if he can just and naturally getting more reps in the NFL, I think he will get more accurate, maybe not to the level that they hope. But I, I certainly think he won't be below 60 percent every year. If he could get that, the sky is like he could be the best quarterback in fantasy potentially. So fun fact, you talk about you know mobility there. Um, Trey Lance had 168 rushing yards last year as a rookie. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in his career has 192. So uh, <laughs> he is he is only what 24 rushing yards ahead of Trey Lance uh, with many 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 more games uh, under his belt uh, <laughs> than Lance does. So uh, yeah, so there you go. So I I'm excited about it. This is for me. I've had to sort of try to separate my fantasy work from my, my 49er fandom, because as a fan, I look at Trey Lance and I'm like this, you know, potentially he's being asked to take over a team that got to the NFC championship game that still has something of a window. I mean, they are in a very difficult division, but there is at least a legitimate chance for this team to kind of make a run. And so to ask him to jump in there and take over the reins feels like a lot, but you separate that from just what he can do fantasy wise. And, and I think, I think Jalen hurts in terms of potential production, what he can be is kind of a good comp in the sense that we're, we don't really know if Jalen hurts is a good real life quarterback, but we damn sure know he's a good fantasy quarterback. We know he can get you 20 points a week. Uh, you know, whether or not he is the piece that gets the Eagles over the hump and makes them a contender again, and we're still waiting to find out. And so I think that's sort of where I fall right now on Trey Lance. I'm as a fan, I'm, I'm excited. I'm hopeful. I hope he can get close to that ceiling. Uh, I don't know yet, but fantasy wise, if I can draft him in the double digit rounds, I think that's going to get harder. Um, you know, then, then I will do that. So I'll say this. I think right now, Florida, with us drafting with all the, the, the degenerates like us that are drafting right now, um, getting Trey Lance in the double-digit rounds is going to be hard. I have a feeling, though, that when a lot of the more casual players kind of log back in in August, uh, that maybe it gets a little bit easier, that maybe you see Trey Lance hanging on the board in a little bit longer in some drafts. Uh, and so that, you know, when... Because I always tell people, man, draft... If you play in a lot of high-stakes leagues, draft with, with folks who don't, man, because it's a different mm -hmm. world, and it will, it will make you sharper. It'll make you pay attention a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I just get the feeling that we get to August, and we'll see his ADP come down as people who don't necessarily know or don't necessarily share the same feelings about Trey Lance jump in and, and log in and play. Yep, I, I agree. And, and if that's the case, pair him with, like, a Matt Stafford, you know, someone who's safe, and then he's the upside play. I, I would love uh, doing that. And I know uh, we're, we're about to say goodbye, Marcus, but we're talking about the Bay. We haven't spoke about it on the podcast <laughs> since it happened. Congratulations to you Dang. as a Warriors fan. The dynasty lives. It does. It does. Even though, uh, you know, there's a well-known uh, podcaster media mogul from Boston who was lamenting his Celtics losing and tried to throw shade 
uh, on the Warriors saying that it's not really a dynasty and he was dragged across Twitter for it. And uh, that made me smile. But yeah, it was great. Um, I, I will tell you, and I think I told you privately, I was a roller coaster of emotion all throughout the playoffs. <laughs> uh, after they after they lost game one at home, I had sort of built up excuses in my head to uh, to prepare myself for potentially losing the series. But um, it's been a lot of fun. I will say this one. This one is a close second to the 2015. 2015 will always be the best one in this group because it was the first one. Um, but but this one wasn't supposed to happen. This was they were supposed to be at least another year away. Clay was just coming back from injury. Um, they were still trying to figure out their rotations. Uh, you know, it wasn't always pretty at times. They had they lost by 50 points in the playoffs at one point. I mean, it was it was <laughs> ugly at times, and they got big contributions from. Uh, a lot of guys you wouldn't expect. I mean, you know, guys like Otto Porter and Kevin Kevon Looney uh, playing big. Andrew Wiggins, who was left for dead by a lot of NBA observers coming out and having just a phenomenal final series. So uh, the hat and the shirt for me are on the way. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, that has been a nice that has been a nice bump to my summer seeing the Warriors I, win a championship. I thought the two coolest moments after they won was when clay called out the grizzlies at the at the podium and <laughs> and then draymond after when he's celebrating he said see you next year at the warriors invitational i was like that <laughs> is such a cool line which, which is what he was calling it like when they were when they went to five finals in a row uh yeah he called it the warriors <laughs> invitational which made people mad i get it but at the same time uh you know he was like we'll beat us which you know for That's a long time attitude. nobody could <laughs> for a long yeah. time nobody could so um, yeah, I expect to, yeah. I'll say this. The other part of this is, uh, I, I'm excited and I have a lot of friends. We all grew up together who are certainly super happy. Uh, there's a little part of us though. That's sad that, that the warrior fan base has been taken over by like obnoxious tech bros. And, uh, <laughs> right. Because like, we never thought we could be, we went, I went, what? Jeez. It went in 2015. I went 38 years without the Warriors winning a championship. We were always kind of sad. Like we never thought we'd get to the point of being obnoxious fans because we just never won anything. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit disorienting. <laughs> to think. I, I always say I'll take the bandwagoners if, just to see like the Knicks win or the Mets win or, or the Bills win. But then it, you win a couple and it gets like it is for the Warriors. And I, I could see why that's annoying. Yeah, no, I, I look, I, trust me i'm i'm in warriors twitter i understand why people hate us like i get it i wish it wasn't that way but i understand but people like you get you get a lot of credit because you've stuck with them man. for a very long time man I, I i go back to the days of uh terry teagle and larry smith and locking my keys in my car to go to the arena and uh watching them draft joe smith number one overall yeah i go back a ways <laughs> baron it, so. davis era the we believe the we believe era yeah man i even know <laughs> i even bought a tim and chris burger from mcdonald's when they had those like like, <laughs> like only folks from the bay area even know what i'm talking about right now <sighs> all right i'm smiling <laughs> <laughs> I see, that seems like a good place to end this one. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. And we will talk to you next week. Wow. 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 Wow.